137 PM's Live from the Bar Cart. A look into the style, culture, strength, and grind of the modern day man. Welcome to the 137 PM Live from the Bar Cart Podcast. I'm your host, Amari White, and today we have founder of the Hex Laundry Detergent and former Major League Lacrosse standout, Drew Restable. How are you today? Good man, how are you? I'm great, I'm great. How was your trip from home to New York City? Yeah, Baltimore, actually it's Penn Station to Penn Station today, Baltimore to New York. It's uh, Amtrak's easy, it's nice. I want to say thank you for being here. It's been a gloomy day for the most part. And I want to talk to you regarding towards your product that you have yeah. going on right now, which <laughs> is the Hex Laundry Detergent. Can you tell everybody who's listening what's that consisting of? Yeah, I can. I, I'm, I'm a 33 year old dude, so I, I can guarantee you, <laughs> I never thought I'd make laundry detergent. Okay. Uh, I think, um, like, like most entrepreneurs or ideas, it pivots. And uh, I played pro sports for 10 years, lacrosse, mm-hmm. by no means a way at the time to make a living, but a, but a really cool experience. Uh, I played in the U.S. and Canada, and a lot of times it was in NHL and NBA venues. So the turf was rolled out over the ice. Mm-hmm. You would play, but it was that style of turf when you fell on it you were cut it was terrible surface right right old old school astroturf and a lot of uh, athletes would get issues from it not being clean so guys would get cut from it they bleed on it they'd spit on it there was fighting right um and it would just get rolled up till the next week right so the original idea was to find a product to clean and protect the turf and the locker rooms and the weight rooms so that athletes didn't get MRSA or staff right and how it pivoted to laundry was I realized that turf was no different than synthetic fabrics like Under Armour, Lululemon, Nike Dry Fit. Mm-hmm. It's plastic. Mm-hmm. So the stuff we were messing around on the commercial side, um, as an athlete, I had to clean my own stuff, right? We didn't have equipment managers did it all for us. So when I got home Sunday, I had to wash my own stuff. Right. And I couldn't find anything that worked. I would wash it. It would there'd be a fragrance on it, and then it'd smell terrible. Mm-hmm. So I started messing around with the commercial product in my washing machine, it worked. And um, some of the, I got an opportunity with some major retailers like Target and Wegmans, mm-hmm. and the buyers were really familiar with sports and this, this new odor issue. Mm-hmm. And I got really lucky that it was like an opportunity in the laundry category. So we really pivoted the laundry out of, out of luck that the, the textile market changed, right. out of luck that traditional cleaners weren't really um, innovating with where the fabric market was going. So it was kind of this weird, mm-hmm. you know, lucky timing thing that um, really was like I got interested in the laundry side of it because I really felt that there was an opportunity and a point of difference that wasn't met. Right. Now, I see that your product is very eco-friendly. Mm-hmm. Now, can you give like a nice little breakdown of what's the, the actual chemicals or what's being used to fight off those kind of odors yeah, or those, yeah. fight off those kind of Yeah, so I think first things. and foremost, any new product entering the consumer space, like eco-minded is like is a par for the course, mm-hmm. right? You can't mm-hmm. come into the space and be like, hey, I got this awesome product that works, but oh, by the way, you know, it's going to cause mm-hmm. huge issues downstream, right? Right. So I think for us, why our product is different, why Hex is different than every every other detergent out there is that we didn't start to make a laundry product. We started to make a commercial cleaning product that had nothing to do with laundry and realized that that was the real opportunity, that um, if you look in the category, most products that talk about odor are fragrance-driven. Like, So there, are they really cleaning or are they just covering it up? Because we've 
all, I'm not making a gross assumption here, but mm-hmm. a lot of individuals who are active that I've talked to that wear these types of fabrics, I, I wash it, I went to spin class and I wore it, and then something came out. Mm. So what, what, what the issue is, is that there's something that's not getting cleaned out of the fabric. Right. And what you're just doing is essentially putting so, fragrance on it. So, so it's basically the old, like for instance, I want to say Tide or Downy, is it just using the, the their substance to cover up the, the I want to say the order that was being used from when they was playing and practicing and, and sure and sure well, and I mean it's, it's a disgusting topic but right if, if right. you think if you it think has about, to be discussed though yeah if you think about it like <laughs> the purpose of laundry is to get what you put into your fabric out, out. Mm-hmm. so when you sweat and there's body oils and all that mm-hmm. stuff that you can imagine in your fabric with a synthetic a plastic it, it basically absorbs into it and it's really tough to get it out whereas cottons are super simple mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. we've been cleaning cottons forever they're very porous so with yeah. with traditional cleaners right instead of finding new chemistries to get into synthetics fragrancing has been a mechanism to basically cover it up okay it's the equivalent of you said you know what i'm not going to shower anymore i'm just going to wear cologne in the morning mm. right so so there's an interesting <laughs> yeah. question here that yeah. like when you look at traditional players in the category, why aren't they addressing odor with products that aren't fragranced? Mm -hmm. And then when you talk to consumers, why are consumers throwing these garments out? Because they can't clean them. Is that the garment's fault or is that what we're cleaning it? Right. So there's this real interesting challenge that we have as a new company of saying, we believe that the fabrics we're wearing are incredible and the aftercare market's behind. But the interesting flip side of that is consumers blame the fabric, not the aftercare. So it's just, it's, 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 it's laundry at the end of the day, right? right? We're talking about laundry at the end of the day, but mm-hmm. there's these really interesting dynamics that I think are, are really fascinating and make it fun, mm-hmm. right? It, it goes back to the sports side of things of like all the pieces of how to kind of win here. Because let's be honest, laundry category is a huge category. It is the textile and athleisure market is right. a huge emerging category. So for us, how do we associate ourselves with people who want their performance wear or fabric in general to last longer, perform better, um, not stink is like the, mm-hmm. the surface level, but you know, how do you, how do you associate or be authentic and have a community of people that really don't want to throw this stuff out? They actually want it clean. Right. And I think that's where the fun is because the people that I'm, I'm interacting with from a business perspective are making me very comfortable because it's back to my my sports heritage of of what I did for so long in college and professionally. So mm-hmm. I'm still Im- interacting with those people just right. in this mm-hmm. really weird laundry side of things. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a fun space to be in. So from an entrepreneurial perspective, how do you come up with an idea to formulate the the process of creating a detergent and try to sell it to people nationwide? Yeah, good question. I, I, I think everyone would, would want me to say like, oh, there's this easy like like blueprint of this is what you do. And mm-hmm. I think it's 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 a it's just a lot of unknown after unknown after unknown. For for us, um, it never started as laundry, which has made it so interesting to me. It started as like a passion project of I wanna create a, a safer cleaning a safer environment for athletes to play in. Like NFL, NBA, NHL guys should not be contracting MRSA. We should be finding cleaning regiments that not only clean stuff but then prevent the issue from coming back so that was like the basis of where i started right then there was like unknown after unknown after unknown that that through that process of asking questions and being curious and you start validating stuff and like oh maybe this makes more sense Mm -hmm. and for me it was 
understanding that the commercial space was really tough to implement. But there was a huge aha for me when I realized that this fabric had changed. And as an athlete, the only reason I realized it changed because every year I was given a new gear bag. Mm-hmm. Under Armour sponsored it. Nike sponsored a league. Every year you were given, you know, all this stuff. Right. And I was living on my own at the time, commuting from Baltimore to wherever I was playing games with a sweaty gear bag. And I had to clean it now. I didn't have my equipment manager like I did in college. I didn't have... Mm-hmm. It's basically on your own, so you right. have, so, have to come up with a way. Yeah, so I'm buying everything in the yeah. store trying to figure out how to clean my gloves and my arm pads mm-hmm. and my new activewear. And when I when we realized that fabric had changed and that fragrance wasn't the answer, it started clicking in my head that the chemistry we were messing around with on the commercial side should work. So on the commercial side, I had, we had worked with and with chemists and one of my business partners on the chemistry side two products. One was a cleaner with some disinfecting properties and one mm-hmm. was a ba- the equivalent of Scotchgard, like a protector that would inhibit okay. the regrowth of MRSA staff. So mm-hmm. once you cleaned it and put this stuff on it, it won't come back. Right. So I took that stuff and started messing with it at my wash machine. So I put the one product as my detergent, the other as my fabric softener, and it sh- hypothetically should clean and protect. Right. And it did. My pads didn't stink for weeks on end. My performance apparel didn't have, didn't I'm like, shit, like this might be the opportunity. So we started messing with it and looking into the other cleaning areas. And what happened was, was the more we got into asking questions about why isn't, why isn't someone doing this, the more we validated there's this white space of saying, is it possible that people aren't thinking that laundry is not cleaning, it's broken? And that's a really crazy thing it to is. think about. And, and it's really nerdy on one side to think like, why do you give a shit about laundry? <laughs> but the, the reality is, is that for me, it was, a, it was a pain point, right? Right. No one wants to go. I didn't want to go to Calgary for my game that week and get my gear bag out and feel like I was wearing a bunch of nasty stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I, solving that was Left a big win. order here and there. And it's just, I know it tends to be very realizing, right, realizing that. Mm-hmm. And then when I went to the, you know, a Target, and they're validating saying, yes, this is one of the biggest consumer concerns in the category. That's where we get excited. Be like, is this crazy? Yeah, it's, it's insane. It's do we think we're going to do this? Yeah, let's try it. Right. So mm-hmm. have we, any business is like getting punched in the face every day, right? It, 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 you, all you see is like, oh, this is great. This is so easy. Yeah, you're in target, everything's. But through the process, I think if you really believe and there's an opportunity in a white space to fill and you really think you can do it, figuring out how you're going to manufacture it, what your product, what packaging you're going to put it in, what you can and can't say, all mm-hmm. that stuff becomes the fun. Right. Do you know the answer? Absolutely not. I don't, I don't, not a clue. Right? But Still figuring everything out. But you figure out, it out and you end kinks. up meeting. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think for us it's been really lucky that one really lucky that my my original idea had nothing to do with detergent because mm-hmm. if it did we would have we would have mimicked someone else mm-hmm. right and that doesn't do anyone any good because we put in another product with the same juice in it with a different label on it right right that's what's going on now you can pay three dollars for detergent twelve dollars for detergent but generally it's a lot of the same ingredients right the basis of our ingredient had nothing to do with traditional laundry ingredients because it was built 
with the ambition of cleaning turf. We just got lucky that the fabric happened to be the same thing. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a little bit of luck. It's a lot of, a lot of like, I don't care. I'm just going to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And then trying to constantly validate that this is where, this is a, this is a hill worth climbing. And you know, that's going to be pretty evident. Um, but that, that's kind of been our learning process, which has been, for me, really fun. Really terrifying, but really fun. Now, after you've washed your uniform that day, when you wanted to play around mm-hmm. with like, cleaning products, did you notice a difference between the fabric you was using while you was playing? Did it felt that it shrunk on you, or did it felt in which it enhanced your, your moving ability? That's, that's, like, really interesting. So, like, more recent years, way... Versus like day one. Day mm-hmm. one was just like, does it stink or not? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, does this stuff stink or right. not? All right. Cool. <laughs> but that's not the most like. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> my nose isn't isn't the most uh, isn't as sophisticated as lab studies, right? I don't think the consumer at the end of the day is like, oh, I believe what you say. Mm-hmm. So like, what we have been doing since then is test is a lot of testing to understand like what go what's happening in fabric, which is disgusting. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, what you just asked about like why can we increase durability make it last longer can we make it wick and retain those benefits so i think what we've what we figured out is at the end of the day we're providing laundry detergent which is by far the least sexy thing on the planet Mm because everyone hates to do laundry but if if you can provide an outcome that one allows people to you know invest in expensive apparel and it lasts um i think you buy i think the apparel that that synthetic apparel gets a bad rap because it's an incredible product, right? What Under Armour created is incredible in what its benefits are, right? It's it's lightweight. It wicks sweat from you. Right. It dries fast. Right. Right. It stretches. It breathes. It does all this Durable, cool stuff. Comfortable. Comfortable. All so. this. Right. This these you know dress shirts are now going to be that material. Mm-hmm. But what they created was incredible. What 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 happens is is if you don't care for it correctly so what do we do we put detergent that has thickeners and dyes in it we put fragrance crystals we put softeners we put dryer sheets of all of those things the care tag in the back of that shirt says don't use them but a lot yeah. of people is not reading the, the back right, of the tag not. though but what that's, do we do is what do we do here oh if it's not clean what am i gonna do i'm gonna put more in mm-hmm. right oh uh, it's not clean i'm gonna put more, more in, in. And what we're actually doing is like taking an incredible fabric and ma- rendering it useless. Yes. And then we get frustrated that it's not clean and we throw it out. And then we go blame the fabric, mm-hmm. which is the most interesting. That's where I find the most interesting about this is that how do you get consumers who have that issue to try something new? So we believe we can do it through gifting samples. Right? If you don't believe we're going to work, fine, here's a sample, and we believe that's going to change your behavior. So it's a completely different way of going at this, but I think back to the original question of how do you go from concept to something in market, I think it's this crazy, disgusting path of curiosity and belief in what you're doing, and is there white space, and you know, just the perseverance to be like, like what's next, right? And, and understand it's going to be there's going to be way more mm-hmm. way more way more days of being yelled at by your coach than 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 goal celebrations how were you able to to 
do so, so well in stores such as you know Target and major supermarkets. And if there have been any conversations regarding towards bringing your product into major pro leagues like the NBA mm-hmm. and NHL and the NFL. Yeah, so like two good questions there. One being, I think we're lucky. Mm-hmm. And with, we're, Hex is lucky in the fact that I don't think consumers realize the big shift that from what we're wearing. Like, garments are no longer cotton. Mm-hmm. They're a blend of things. They're predominantly synthetic. Most of what we're washing is synthetic. So we're lucky in that consumers are wearing a fabric that's tough to clean. And they're starting to realize that fragrance isn't the answer, and, and I'm throwing this stuff out. Right. So the reason I think we're, we're, we're getting growth in some of these retailers like a Target is because it's a real consumer need. We're lucky that it's a consumer need, but we're, we're creating a product that, that operates differently than traditional products and ideally provides a benefit to that end user, right? Mm-hmm. That's the, the one side of it. Um, I think, you know, for you asked about in the professional side of things, it, it makes total sense. It does. Um, where we've, where we, it's a completely different business. So a lot of professional teams have commercial type of laundry relationships where they're using commercial machines and it's a different process than buying a jug of laundry detergent mm-hmm. and, and pouring it in. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit different business. It makes total sense. Actually, where we've found a lot of, a lot of excitement isn't in pro sports, it's in the influencing space. Okay. So there are individuals who are not pro athletes, but are very passionate about CrossFit, spin, yoga, bar, whatever. And they're creating followings by YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, educating their followers on their regiment, the products they use, the stuff they believe in. Um, and that's been a really interesting space for us because it's, I mean, as much as LeBron James makes sense because of his reach, I doubt he does his own laundry. Well, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> but are you worth a billion dollars right, like that? Exactly. You, you have yeah. resources to hire. Exactly. To, so for us, I think do that. You know, I think pro sports is a, is a logical place for us to be in. I think actually where today is, we're more operating in just people who live active lifestyles. Mm-hmm. So like, who is that individual that's gone from zero followers to two hundred fifty thousand YouTube subscribers that? really tune in every week to listen to or a day or every day to what what that individual does what products they use what they're doing to be you know have lived that active lifestyle i think those are the people we're getting a lot of interest from which is again weird when we're talking about laundry right Right. usually be like oh what what meal prepping kit what protein powder what athleisure brand are you repping and then we're inserting ourselves saying well we want to de- decommoditize laundry and say this this should be part of your regimen, right? Right. So it's it's right. this interesting space that I like playing. That's good. That's good. Now, it seems like you disrupting a billion dollar industry. Are you receiving a lot of you know f- positive feedback or some <laughs> criticism regarding towards it? I mean, I think that would be a a, a awesome uh, compliment if if. Hex performance is viewed as a, as, a, as a massive disruptor in this category. Mm-hmm. So the laundry space in the U.S. is an $8 billion category. Everybody does it, right? It's like 96% of households do laundry, right? So everybody does it, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and most people go like, you're crazy. You're going to compete against these, you know, billion-dollar brands. So we don't our, – our, our ambition is not to dethrone someone. Our ambition is to – is it's not about your right 
I'm right, you're wrong, or you don't work, we work. That's not what this is about. This is about associating with communities of people who are looking for a solution, who have an affinity for what you do. So for us, um, it's not about us being better than another brand. It's about us finding consumers that, one, associate with our beliefs, why we do this, Mm -hmm. why why we think using different chemistries is the right thing to do, why we, everything we believe, the products we make, right? Right, right. We will not make fragrance crystals. We will not make dryer sheets. We will not make those products because frankly, the stuff we wear says don't use it. Mm -hmm. So like that's our belief system. But if you want to use it, go for it. Right. Right. It's cool. Right. Right? It's it's your laundry. (laughs) It's your, it's your experience. Do what you want. Mm -hmm. So I think, um, for us, it's not about disrupting this huge category. I think it's a lethargic category. Mm -hmm. I think it's lacked innovation. I think, um, I think it's evident in, in why there are, are opportunities for brands like Hex. So um, so would it be considered creating your own lane to attack performing, um, like performing like yeah. perils, especially yeah. in the playing field? Yeah. Like th- lacrosse or basketball or I think white space is a, great, is, a, is a great way to put it. I think if the textile market didn't change, if yeah. synthetics weren't this big deal, we wouldn't exist. Um, if I didn't play lacrosse as much as I wish I made a lot more money than I did playing it, mm-hmm. if I didn't play lacrosse, Hex wouldn't exist. So, I mean, I, I like I said, it's, it's a great question. It's a huge category, which makes it fun, you know. But at the end of the day, I think it's not about us versus them. I think, um, I think creating products that solve this new textile and odor and durability and wickability and, and creating solutions there, I think is, is, is a, white space worth exploring and that's where we're playing um we do have users that use hex for all of their laundry and we we want you to it's not just you don't it's not just for your workout stuff it's laundry detergent right but it's really good on the mm-hmm. stuff for your workout stuff mm-hmm. so like for us uh like i said it, it it i truly believe there are you know a number of layers to this thing and yes we want people to use this for all of their laundry but what I find really exciting about our brand and where we are and with the retailers digitally and brick and mortar that we work with, um, if a small percentage of people in the country that do laundry affiliate with your product, um, that's fun. Mm-hmm. And, and it's it's not all about dollars and cents, but I think we want to do something, you know, when you think about it, we want to encourage people to go go out and explore and, and, and be players in this game of life and like right. go do stuff. Right. Right. Try something new. Mix right. it up. At the end of the day, it's laundry, but. Exactly. Yeah. That's what, that's what we're trying to do. So it's, it's not about, like I said, yeah, but our, I'm, our brand's aware of us. I have, I have no clue, mm-hmm. but it's not, I, I really don't believe it's like uh, you're competing with them. I think it's like, hey, we're, we're f- trying to find a space that, that, that solves an unmet need. You've been battling dyslexia your yeah. entire life. Where there is p- playing yeah. across and, <laughs> and inside the uh, the business, as far as you sure. know, detergent laundry and whatnot. I want to ask you, how were you able to not let that affect you and help you become the, a successful entrepreneur and become a like outstanding lacrosse player between well, collegiate and, and professional? I think a couple things regarding dyslexia. I wouldn't say my mom would probably say I battled it because she had to deal with it in middle school and mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. I actually view it as a blessing because I think we're all trying to get to the, to the right solution. We just get there different ways. So I think that's really the fundamental difference between dyslexic people and people that don't have dyslexia, right? That they're able to comprehend 
traditional type of like learning environments and curriculums and, and understand that. Whereas I think a lot of dyslexics maybe problem solve differently. It right. doesn't, not that it's wrong. They mm -hmm. just do it differently. It's a much more creative. Much more thing. creative, much more hands-on, much right. more doing than reading. Right. Um, I would never sit down and read a book, but I'll listen to a book all day long. Mm -hmm. Right. I just know I'm not going to comprehend it that way. So I, I actually think that um, from a schooling background, from an entrepreneurial space, from an athletic space, I think it's, it's actually a bit of a blessing because you you may do things differently, but you, but you get to the right solution eventually, <laughs> eventually, right? Mm -hmm. right? Finding um, answers just create certain ways in, in which it helped you get to the, the yeah. So, I, before, I, so I think it's not about getting bogged down in, in how you're doing it. It's just how you get it, get it done. Mm -hmm. um, and to be honest, a athletics and lacrosse in general and a number of sports I've played in, you know, middle school and high school and, you know, lacrosse obviously professionally, but you know, everything from golf to tennis to soccer to football to baseball to basketball all that stuff is awesome because it was a release mm -hmm. i didn't find that was a struggle right that was the release of it didn't matter how i trained or it didn't matter how much time i put in because it wasn't a test right i mean right. it wasn't like hey fill the scantron out or you right or wrong mm -hmm. it was just, did you win did you lose did you score did you turn it over right 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 so I, I think i think a lot of what happens in with hex and our business for me relates back to sports i think the society and how we live today is this Instagram world where everyone posts the beautiful parts of their life. When in business, much like in sports, everyone loves watching their highlight tape. How great you look. But if you've ever been in a collegiate or professional sports locker room, no one wants to watch game film because you get exposed, mm -hmm. right? Nobody talks about when they go over game film throughout the week with their coach about the, those discussions, it's right? Like, All they want to talk about is the goals they scored. He's showcasing the the actual greatness that's, mm -hmm. that comes with the process of putting in the work. To, right. To so I think with, right. with Hex and business, I think if you looked at the surface level, you think everything's perfect and we set it and forget it and everything's, you know, mm -hmm. everything's groovy, right? I think for us, I, I associate Hex and whether it's laundry or any business to to game film. If you're going to expect yourself to look at highlight tapes all week you're gonna fail mm -hmm. but if you're willing to look at the the full game film it's gonna be ugly yep. and you're gonna be embarrassed by it but if you're not willing to look at that stuff fix it go through that process it's gonna be a long long day right right so right so that's what i really like about how athletics dyslex, dis, excuse me dyslexia mm -hmm. um all of those things fit into this weird story i'm i'm writing right now right mm -hmm. it's 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 a weird path, right? Well, it's just a part of the process. Mm -hmm. The six have said it best. You have to trust the process, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, so it's an interesting space. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, Drew, how did you get into lacrosse? Oh man, long, long story. So, from a lacrosse perspective, we talked a little bit about dyslexia, and, and I actually went to a middle school uh, that was a dyslexic middle school, which was an inc incredible opportunity that I'm really thankful I had the mm -hmm. opportunity to. But we we actually started a lacrosse team. Nice. Because it was, it was a very small school. It was like eight to ten kids in a class. But it was in Baltimore and mm -hmm. right in the city. And Baltimore is a, a big lacrosse area. Mm -hmm. um, and we had a bunch of guys that wanted to play that had played. Um, I'd actually played uh, competitive baseball before that. And I was a catcher. And we played like 60 games one season. And I was like in middle school. I'm like, this is nuts. I'm done. <laughs> so we picked. I needed a time limit on the games. And, uh, I picked up lacrosse and loved it. It was hilarious because mm -hmm. the school is called Odyssey School. And it's in Baltimore. Nice. And um, we actually ended up in Baltimore. There's a there's a public and private school area that's really high, really high level lacrosse. And we ended up beating up on a bunch of them. 
Nice. So we started, we founded this team, mm-hmm. we, we, and I just really loved the game. Mm-hmm. And from there, uh, in, in high school, I played soccer, basketball, and lacrosse, and then got the opportunity to play collegiately. And that was an incredible experience. And then I wasn't p- planning on playing professionally. And, you know, I got drafted to play in both professional leagues. So I was like, just kind of taking it as it came. But the, but the professional leagues are super interesting. I mean, the indoor league is in the wintertime. It's split between the U.S. and Canada. And it's a lot of hockey markets. Okay. And indoor lacrosse is, is played on top of um, ice rinks. Right. So they roll the turf out. You play on top of it. It's, it's super interesting. Because some of the ownership, like I played in Colorado, that our ownership owned the Colorado Avalanche. They owned the Denver Nuggets, mm-hmm. and we played in the Pepsi Center. Nice. So we were we didn't get paid like those guys, but we got treated like them. So mm-hmm. our travel was nice. Um, but it's by currently it's a part-time sport, right? You, you you work during the week, whatever that may be. You fly out on Friday. You practice Friday night. You play Saturday night, and you fly home Sunday, and that's what you do. And there's it's a similar type of experience in in outdoor. It's just slightly different ownership groups. Um, the current league, the MLL, is 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 run by and, and founded by some guys at New Balance. Okay. And uh, I don't know if you remember the name, Body by Jake. Mm-hmm. So some other sporting guys mm-hmm. that uh, founded it. So it's in an interesting space, right? It's trying to figure out how it breaks through. It's trying to figure out this new media market and, and where they find eyeballs. Um, there's this really interesting dynamic of like the youth sports play into this because if you think of the nfl like youth youth football cannot play on sunday there's a reason for that right Mm -hmm. they want you watching and participating in nfl yeah where you have this interesting dynamic in lacrosse where there's all these youth club teams so the club teams are holding tournaments around the country Mm -hmm. so it's difficult lacrosse is in this interesting spot it's this really fast growing sport um there's this huge amount of interest people get involved but i think it's it's got the opportunity to break through. They have the right, it's a great game. It's just kind of figuring out how to, I guess the words break through, but right. you know, when you have a limited audience, how are you going to find those eyeballs? How do you get people aware of it? How do you get them into the game? Right. It's, mm-hmm. it's not a, it's not an inexpensive game to get into. Right. 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 Uh, I mean, you got from a, from an equipment, it's not like you just need a, a ball and you're good to go. Right. right. It's a little bit different. Show the pads yeah. and actual um, stuff to clean there. those pads. You that know too. I mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, now, I also want to ask you, you were a question of going towards college recruitment. Yeah. You attended UMBC. Yeah. And I know that's not one of the top schools in yeah. their program. There's the John Hopkins, yeah, the yeah. Dukes. That's a part of the, um, that's very perennial powerhouse in what comes lacrosse. Mm-hmm. What was your recruitment process was like as you was um, looking for a program yeah. to play for? Coming out of high school, I was not this tall and not this heavy. And I'm not like not. I'm saying I'm fat now. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I wasn't. I was pretty bulky. For yeah, I'm a bulky guy. <laughs> no, towards the like when I was playing professionally, I was. I, I think I, I don't know if I, you know, grew up late or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, I played in a in high school. I didn't have. I was a smaller guy, like you know, thin and lanky kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have a ton of opportunity with those major schools. It was like a UMBC, a Delaware, or a Drexel is where I got. A, uh, recruited by, mm-hmm. and I and I really like the guys at UMBC. A lot of them are still my m- my best friends today, and guys I played professionally with. Nice. So a couple of us played together nice. uh, for a while. But what was interesting and what really unique about UMBC is, you know, being from Baltimore, you know, you want to go to Maryland, 
right? You want to go to Hopkins, right? right? You want to go to those those Maryland-based schools, and I just didn't have that. Now, after my freshman year in college, those guys come knocking, right? They say, oh, you had a good year. Why don't you transfer? Well, you know, I was playing. I liked the guys, and in the last two years of, you know, we never beat Hopkins, unfortunately, but mm-hmm. in the last two years I was at UMBC, we knocked Maryland out of the, out of the NCAA tournament both years. Right. So it was, that for me was like what it was all about. Like, I could have jumped ship and gone somewhere else, but mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed the guys. I, I really enjoyed actually school and the people there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I, do I wish I had the opportunity to play at a major school? Of course, right? Everybody don't, does. Don't we all? I also sometimes <laughs> wish I didn't play lacrosse at all. I went to like an SEC school and watch football, but you know, that's right. You know, <laughs> either way. So, so, you know, I, you know, mm-hmm. so part of me is like, I, UMBC is not what I'd say your traditional college experience, but mm-hmm. from an athletic and academic perspective, I really enjoyed it. Um, is the grass greener? Yeah, of course. Do right. I wish I had a normal college experience and watch college football? Yeah. Or, but I think it all rounded itself out when, um, you know, beating those major schools mm-hmm. uh, is a pretty pretty cool experience, especially at the you know at, at in the, in the NCAA tournament, right? And being a part of that was was a cool experience. Not as cool as UMBC basketball this year, but I was but, getting, but, but getting there. there. Yeah, yeah. Now, speaking of um, NCAA tournament, <laughs> I have to ask you, where were you when you saw the biggest upset oh, great question. in tournament history? I, I'm going to sound like the worst alumni on the planet here. <laughs> I was at a bachelor party. Oh. In Cover the ears, in, wife. <laughs> no, 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 no. In Austin. Okay. For a good buddy I played lacrosse with. Nice. And I wasn't paying attention to the game. I watched the last quarter. By then, the game was pretty much yeah, over with. Yeah, like, my buddy was like, dude, you might want to like, uh, you might want to come over here and check this out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we were just hanging out. And, you know, like I said, I sound like a terrible alumni, but I mean, who expected that no the odds, odds were not in no their favor? But what a cool, what a cool... Um, what a cool win for the school, because I think, uh, you know, UMBC is an interesting place. It's a great academic yes. school. Um, part of it's a commuter school, so it's it's, it's a little unique, but it, but it's a it's a great place, and 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 there's a lot of great athletes that go there. Mm-hmm. And um, like I said, I, I'm glad I stuck around and, and didn't leave there, because because the people I I played with there are incredible, and the coaching staff and all those people are, are um, people I still keep in touch with today. You even created your own legacy there. <laughs> Who's what the fifth leading scorer in your senior year on the on the team? Yeah, yeah, we had we had some good so, times. We had some good times. Some good staying years. Staying there was the, the was the right <laughs> move to make, you yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. Now, when you're not focused on your product and you're not, you know, watching lacrosse and everything, what do you do on your spare time? A, a lot of it is is work related in these early days. Um, to be honest. I played lacrosse for so long, I really don't follow it as much anymore. Oh, really? I have a bunch of buddies that, you know, I did I did college. I did, there's an indoor league, there's an outdoor professional league, and then I played on, on the U.S. team in, 2000, I guess, 2010. But I have buddies that are still doing it, and okay. I, I support them, and I watch every once in a while. But, you know, I kind of got to a point where I needed to transition away from it, mm-hmm. and, and I'd done it for so long, I, I didn't want to do it anymore. And that mm-hmm. was really eye-opening, like being on the field and being like, hey, Mm-hmm. I'm not as passionate about this as I once was, or, or as competitive, which mm-hmm. is really weird. Um, and you left in your prime, though. You was like one of the top attack men in the Major League Lacrosse. Your perennial All Star. Like, what have when you thought about taking a break from lacrosse and to focus on your um, brand and focus on your um, product? Did you 
decided or did you observe any indications where this was the right time, this was the right move to, to make? I mean, part of me wishes I still played. I mean, in full in full transparency, um, I I stopped playing because I didn't have that competitiveness on the field, and I, and I didn't want to go get home on Sunday night and go to the gym Monday, mm. right? I didn't want to train anymore, and as much as I probably could have continued to play, and I thought there was people that were that wanted it that should be on that field, right? So for me, it was an opportunity to say, hey, like this is a sweet opportunity to play sports, but I really think I want to put time on migrating to, the, to this business opportunity. Right. Um, do I think about playing? A hundred percent. There's mm -hmm. times I would love to get back in that lot, more, more be in the locker room. Okay. Right. Cause mm -hmm. that, that's being with, with, with your guys is awesome. Right. <laughs> but um, it, in, in complete honesty, I just, I was, I, I was willing, I was much more willing to put in the work to start this business than make myself, train and be fit to perform on the field which is a really weird time mm -hmm. gotcha <laughs> i definitely understand coming from a former student athlete like yeah. myself i'm like okay i don't want to do this anymore i, I really just want to give me out in the field yeah. just let me do my thing you know yeah. so i know but um other than that can you let your fans know tell us like what's been catching your eye as of lately like what you what's your favorite tv show or what you been oh, reading as of lately if it wasn't for my wife, I don't think I'd be watching anything. She she kind of <laughs> keeps me on stuff at night, which is great. But mm -hmm. we've been watching Ozark. Okay, been, that's been hot on the TV Netflix. lately. Yeah, yes, some Netflix yes. action. We've been hot on Ozark lately. Um, <laughs> she she probably yells at me because I'm always reading stuff on my phone <laughs> while I'm watching that. So she, I mean, she would yell at me right now because mm -hmm. she wants me to concentrate on the show. But yeah, we're watching a lot of Ozark right now. Nice. Um, that's really my my wild and crazy nights. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, we're, we have a we have a we have a kid on the way, so that congratulations. So we're uh, that's, we're, that's we're prepping for that, which is an interesting new chapter. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is major right there. Congratulations Thank on you. that. Well, this is another episode of Live from the Bar Cart with Omari White, with our special guest, the Hex Laundry creator himself, Drew Westervelt. Signing out. Yeah, have a great day.